This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. My name is Christine Sirianni. I'm industry partner at Motive Partners, and I'm joined by Alexandra Tonkia, co-founder and head of business development at Fanantix. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. Really good to have you. The wealth management and advice sector has gone through significant growth, but also continues to undergo demographic, regulatory, and technology change. Tell us about Fanantix and how it has evolved over the years. Yes, it's interesting times uh, indeed, Christine. And the role of Finantix in this evolution is to help wealth managers and insurers to better deal with two main issues. One is to give meaningful, compliant advice to their client. The other one, in their best interest, is to sell more to those clients. And obviously, the two are related because the better you advise, the more you will sell and vice versa. And Finantix has enabling technology that help financial institutions structure those sales and advisory models in the way that best fits their strategy. You and I first met eight years ago when Fanatics was the first mover in both digital and wealth mobile services. If you look at those trends, what you're talking about in terms of sales enablement, sales intelligence, how has that evolved in the last eight years? Yes, wealth management is a bit of a conservative market. So when we started preaching those themes many years ago, there was curiosity, but not much action. I think in the last eight years, it transformed a lot where financial institutions understand that's crucial to their survival, or at least to their ability of serving client effectively. So we saw lots of traction for the themes uh, we are working on right now, where people make it mission-critical initiatives uh, of their firms. So that helped us grow significantly. We are now more than 250 people. We have presence in 10 countries. Our clients use our software in 40 countries. So it really helped us ride this curve also because some of our clients are tier one institutions that work globally. So it helped us have lots of good experiences and installation across the world. Tell us a bit about your geographic expansion. I oftentimes hear about the two Venetians who started the company exploring out like Marco Polo into Asia and elsewhere. Tell us about, about your exploration in Asia and the significance of that. Asia is still probably the prevalent region for us in terms of business, but it also helped with our digital evolution because the appetite for digital showed itself in Asia much earlier than in Europe, I would say. So we did very interesting project four or five years ago. Now the same appetite is transferring to Europe. We are getting lots of traction in the Americas as well. But yes, Asia is still a forerunner and almost an experimentation space for many banks in doing interesting stuff through technology, also because consumers there have a very technological mindset and probably wouldn't even go to a wealth manager that doesn't give them a rich set of digital functionalities. I've worked with you previously in tier one banks and global implementations. What's your value proposition to them? Indeed, we have, uh, as you know from our past experience, multiple clients that are using Finantix uh, in different geographies, one of them in more than 30 countries. And what we bring to the table is first that our software is designed from day one for those global rollouts in terms of supporting multiple languages, multiple jurisdictions, multiple suitability frameworks, uh, and have being very flexible both in the usability on the client side and the deployability from the point of view of the institution. 
And I think the core advantage for those clients is by using Finantix, they can have a consistent sales advisory layer and methodology across, again, different needs and requirements across different backend systems that they might have in each of the countries they support. We provide that logical integration and that harmonious way of managing those processes. And the client finds that they can get from Finantix a better cost of ownership across those countries, more flexibility on how to have core elements and country-specific elements for reasons which are regulation, for example. So again, our flexibility comes in handy because you can twist your central versus peripheral equation to the way that suits your business needs. When you look at the relationships you've built, Fanatics has built a relationship with ever-increasing impressive list of blue-chip companies, both across wealth management, insurance, mass affluent. Can you tell us a bit about the segments that you're focusing on and why? Yes, it is uh, the one you mentioned, so the full continuum of wealth management from the mass affluent into affluent into the more private banking segment, and we cover very well all of those. But also insurance is a key target segment for us. And there's two elements. One, that we see common factor across all of those, because at the end it is about understanding your client better, understanding the product and the suitability and match of those products to the client's financial needs and his uh, you know, financial life cycles. So there's lots of similarity there. And also we see those industry being fluid. Often a private bank has a mass affluent segment and they want to cover both with different level of services, but with the same underlying logic and building blocks. In insurance, there's definitely important bank assurance trends in the market that we can ride well because of our multi-segment approach. We see also insurers playing a role in wealth because they offer products that are critical to your wealth preservation, to your retirement strategies. So we think that there's lots of reusability of our building blocks in those segments, and we think we have good clients and good functionality in each of those. And if you look just between 2011 and 2017, the bank insurance market indeed has outpaced both life and non-life insurance products as well. Yes, we're a bit less uh, focused on non-life, but yes, we have a very strong understanding of life policies because that impacts your financial planning. We are doing more work in elements that cater to your retirement, like healthcare and other decumulation phase uh, product and financial structures. Uh, that's really our goal is really to help financial institution, help client designing their financial life in meaningful and uh, adequate ways. The market has seen an emergence of different go-to-market models from the robo-advisory and the 100% robo to the advisor-led model to really a hybrid model. What is your view on the market? Well, we are relatively neutral because our technology has the flexibility that allows each of the players to shape the relationship between advisor, employee, and client as they prefer. So we have clients which are doing purely robo. We have clients in private banking that have a primarily advisor-led relationship. We have clients which are hybrid. But yes, in terms of trend, I think this idea that if you have a hybrid approach, supporting rich digital client advisor collaboration is great for the customer experience and ultimately takes cost of the table for the financial institution because you don't want well-paid advisory doing a lot of communication, you know, clumsy, frictionful communication work towards the client. So collaboration is a big word for us. 
And therefore, actually using technology through the life cycle, what you're able to do is support a bank as well as they may move more from a hybrid model to a more robust model and vice versa. That's correct. And for example, for those clients which we support in both high net worth, affluent and mass affluent, the proportion of self-service versus advisor led changes in all of those segments. But because we support the complexity of each segment and different mixes of client advisor, we can really help them build the best curve of level of service versus cost of service that fits those specific micro segments. Yeah. So you're simplifying the life for the client and for the RM by filtering out the role for the RM and tailoring what they bring to the client. That's correct. And also we help the wealth manager put some disciplines in the RM because we can put boundaries on you know where we require their attention, which interaction should be best delivered face-to-face versus uh, the daily digital uh, chit-chat they can have with clients. So we really give them the tool to shape the curve of their client interactions. When you look at your solution, not every solution can carry globally with tier one clients. How does technology help you in your ability to work with these clients? Technology is at the core of our offering. We have a very mature enterprise-grade stack of technology that has been due diligence by tier one institutions. And they appreciate the fact we can slot our functionality in their complex stack. So we almost don't fix any parameter. They can use different styles of application server, databases, connectivity, models. And especially for tier one banks, we open up our API level. So in that sense, we accelerate potentially their own developments, their own ownership of the front end, but we give them the business logic, the data structures, and the risk mitigation that it takes to do significant projects very quickly without the risk and the long time to market that comes with building everything from scratch. So we are, sometimes we are a solution provider, but most of the time we are an accelerator of the client's own digital initiatives. So when you're speaking to banks who say the customer journey is so important for us, it's so important for us to differentiate and therefore want to build it ourselves. What was your response to a bank who says, I want to build my customer intelligence and customer facing layer? We think that aspiration makes lots of sense because at the end, that's their competitive advantage, if you want, the reflection of their strategy. So in a way, they should own that layer. But again, our message is, if you use our building blocks, our APIs, our data structure, you will get to your goal much faster with less risk. You can focus really on that customer experience layer. You can have your agency, your graphic, your style, your specific user experience. So yes, you, IT of the bank, you can own that layer. You can be the digital hero, but we provide you a platform that will get you there faster and with less risk. And most importantly, in a world where technology changes constantly, we will give you all the updates of that foundational layer that takes care with the new versions of iOS, with the new standards in uh, user interfaces, with the new database types and search algorithms. So yeah. that's a bit our future-proof role that we have to offer to those uh, financial institutions. So you're providing accelerated delivery for the banks? You're providing technology that has a very solid foundation that you can build upon as well and the building blocks of the future. Yes, it's It's prepackaged atoms of rich functionality that is delivered in a way that can use those building blocks as the foundation for internal developments. What would you say to a CIO who says, my challenge actually isn't technology solutions, my challenge isn't having interesting functionality, my challenge is my data, and my challenge is the ability to optimize manage and control my data? Well, data management is key. And I think where we help there is by coming 
with a data model and data structures which are adequate for the new generation wealth management and insurance, which means a very rich quantitative and qualitative data model about clients, their circumstances, their family structure, their aspiration, their financial goals, uh, their career, their media footprint. Again, a data structure that allows you to understand clients deeply. We understand also the data footprints uh, of products, and that's why we can find the perfect match between the two. We also have tools. We are very strong in integration to core banking system, policy administration system. We have integration tool to corporate databases to understand wealth uh, and shareholding. We have connectors to media providers to understand both uh, risk uh, in clients in terms of their history, but also financial opportunities in terms of them you know, selling companies, getting promoted, changing cities. So we really have a 360 view of customers and prospects, both derived internally and externally, that allows you to scout for opportunities and to better configure your product offering for that specific client. So you're really able to combine, again, structured and unstructured data to provide a lot more intelligence, both on client as well as on sales intelligence. That's increasingly important. You know, again, you want to know about clients, you know, what his uh, you know, charities participations are, what his contacts are, what his uh, interests are. But the same about a product, you probably might need to have uh, analyst reports on how that product might uh, develop in the future. You might want uh, an interview with the portfolio managers. So we think that wealth management advisory being at the end about human relationship, human uh, aspiration and fears allowing to enable rich dialogues with those qualitative data is going to be more important than just computing performance to the last uh, digit, which sometimes is just, you know, a very dry number. It's how that number affects you, your lifestyle and your future, which is more important. And that's the reason why you pay a wealth manager a certain amount of basis points, because that human understanding adds value to the relationship. So you talked about accelerated delivery. You talked about the ability to actually guide a bank through the management of structured and unstructured data and providing them a framework as well as a, an architecture to help them manage that data and to manage that in a flexible manner as their architecture and their needs change and evolve over time. If we're talking about data and client intelligence and sales intelligence, I have to ask you about artificial intelligence. I know that you studied both analytical philosophy and AI back in my home state of UCLA. How has artificial intelligence, one, evolved over the years, but how has it impacted Fanantics and its product roadmap as well? Well, I'm both passionate and skeptical about artificial intelligence. In my days, many, many years ago, there was the feeling that artificial intelligence was going to change the world. Yes, there's still a lot of promise, but maybe the, the full maturity is not there. So our approach has been to take the most mature disciplines of artificial intelligence, for example, natural language processing, uh, rule-based reasoning, and apply them not generically, but to very specific use cases in wealth management. For example, understanding the client uh, risk profile, is preparing for a meeting, is personalizing news and research around the client interest. So elements that add value to the client, elements that often require lots of clicking and time-wasting from the point of view of the relationship manager. So we almost had micro-injections artificial intelligence across our process support components that really increase productivity and personalization in a modest but super useful way. So it's not 
this risky approach to AI that will find a cure for cancer, if AI saves the relationship manager one minute per day on each client, we did already a good job for our own clients. Can you take a few use cases that you feel have been most relevant in the last few years and which ones you see coming forward as well? Well, some of the issues which we see as crucial for this is one is sales effectiveness. Again, can you use AI or other tools to improve the lead identification, lead profiling, preparing the first meeting to make it look super professional, having a more customized initial proposal. Then there's lots of issues in the suitability space, how to filter out product that might be non-suitable, non-compliant for the client and keep the discussion transparently into the product that are most relevant for the client. AI and rule-based filtering can add a great role there. And the last one we see is personalization to make everything more meaningful for the client, every presentation, every report more tailor-made on his cognitive approach and his financial expertise and his willingness to get lots of content. So those three, sales effectiveness, suitability and personalization, I think are key themes in our offering and also in our thinking about next generation. And absolutely as a major trend, as we look at holistic advice, suitable advice and personal advice, I think absolutely that's where we see the roadmap going forward as well. Given your work with a number of the tier one companies globally, that gives you a lot of insight as well to one, build your roadmap with them, but to give you insight on the next 10 years. What do you see for the next 10 years on your product roadmap? We do have a significant investment in R&D and artificial intelligence is a key part of that, but also the whole data model enhancement, the data structuring, stronger integration to a number of interesting sources. Just to mention, in the Motive portfolio, there is a company, Global Shares, that have lots of information about share option plan, which is the anti-chamber to wealth. For example, a bank that uses them can read a lot about potential future prospect, and we are working with Global Shares around such innovative ideas. Now that you mentioned Motive Partners, can I ask, why did you choose Motive Partners to help you further your next step in your strategy? Well, if you look at mine and Ralph's position of where we saw the company, we found out that you know we managed to be a very visible and successful player in wealth management, still growing, but in a world where there's no clear leader in the space. So we were looking for a partner that would almost raise our ambition, help us in global growth, but especially a partner that understands wealth management and insurance deeply a partner that has the connectivity in the industry that help us think the future in a more systematic and professional way that we could do as a standalone company. Now we are three, four months into the relationship. So far, there's been lots of value added from Motive. We love some of the portfolio companies in the Motive ecosystem, and it's been an interesting and exciting ride so far. Fortunately, been a positive collaboration from all sides then. Uh, My last question is going to be about innovation. Fanantix is recognized for ongoing innovation, both through the client through the awards that you're winning and to the analysts. How do you foster and encourage innovation? Well, as you suggested, we are learning a lot from our clients. Some of them are you know, top-level clients. They have a global footprint, so we learn a lot both in terms of innovation and also geographical needs. We work a lot, especially in the AI world, with universities that give us ideas, students, uh, professors that uh, give us uh, indication about uh, future roadmaps. 
But also coming back to Motive, Motive Labs has been a source of inspiration, of ideas, of intuitions about deep client needs, and that also has become one of the disciplines that help us keep innovation alive at the company. Alessandro, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks a lot, Christine. It's been a pleasure exchanging. you soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.